Welcome to Inside Divorce. My name is Hindel Grossman. Inside Divorce is now being hosted by the law firm of Sassoon Simrat Law of Boston and Newton, Massachusetts. Sassoon Simrat has attorneys handling tax, business, real estate, and now family law matters. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Kate Anthony, who is a divorce coach and a lot of other things and brings a lot of wealth of information on the topic of divorce today. So hello, Kate. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So Kate does a lot of things. Um, she is a podcaster as well. So she has her own podcast series. And, um, and she is also the author of something called the Divorce Survival Kit. Why don't you tell us about that? Oh yeah. So it's just, you know, it's a, it's, it's grown actually. It started out as just a small little ebook, you know, a little PDF thing. And now it's grown. I call it the ultimate divorce survival guide. And it has in it everything you need to know from how to tell your kids. It has sample parenting plans, things you might want to think about children's bill of rights, how to restart your life after divorce. It's really, it's really quite robust. And yeah, that's available on my website, along with a wealth of other, you know, host of other information and options. And yeah. Well, there's a lot of um, issues in divorces, even pre-divorce and post-divorce. And today we're going to focus just on a few of them, but the rest of those topics, our listeners can go to Kate's website and uh, get the book Mm -hmm. or listen to her podcast and, and, and fill in the blanks, fill in the other pieces of information. But Kate lives in California. And um, she has is involved in the area of divorce and helping people who are thinking about divorce make decisions about it and help move on with their lives after. So first thing I want to talk about, I think, is helping. How do you help people decide whether to divorce or not? Yeah, it's a great question because it's I mean, it really is. It's the hardest decision probably anyone will ever make in their entire life. Really, I think most people put more thought into whether they should leave their marriage than they ever did into whether they should get married. And I, I think agree. Yeah. is the problem. <laughs> uh-huh. So, you know, once they get to that point where they're agonizing over this and, you know, they're basically looking for a burning bush, right? I know I was at this point in my journey with this. I was, I was really like, someone tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think the most, what I, I, I run a program called Should I Stay or Should I Go? Uh-huh. It's an online program. Women can access it at any time. It really is geared towards women. And they can access it at any time. And it's really, it starts off with the internal work because most of the time when we're trying to decide whether to stay or go, we're looking at the other person. We're looking at them. Are they going to change? What are they doing wrong? Are they abusive? Are they, are they, are they, will they, right? Yeah. We're really taking the other person's inventory. And the most important place to start is with our own inventory and our own self and Uh our own self work. I think this is part of the reason that so many, so often when people are in couples therapy, when someone, one person starts individual therapy as well, they end up leaving the marriage because they're doing that internal work on themselves and they're getting clarity on their own needs, their own desires, their own attachment styles, their family of origin, you know, history of trauma, all of that stuff. Right. And the most effective way to decide to make that decision is to stop, you know, as they always, as they say in 12 step programs, you know, put down the magnifying glass and pick up the mirror. That's a good expression. Yeah. 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 Yep. 
So then the next thing that I have people do is, you know, once they've sort of examined that, and really it's also so much for women, just quieting the noise, Mm -hmm. really just tapping in and listening. Yeah, I understand. Women's intuition is not, it's a real thing. And unfortunately, we live in a culture and a society that has, spends a lot of time shutting us down (laughs) and shushing us, right? And so to actually be able to hear ourselves is mm-hmm. powerful. And then, mm-hmm. I, then I do a lot of sort of cultural breakdown stuff. Like, you know, what is, what's the reality of a cis-hetero relationship in 2021? And wh- what are we looking at when we're dealing with the mental load and all of that other stuff? I work with a lot of women who are suffering from emotional abuse. And I think that's a, it's a, the possibly the most confusing thing that a woman goes through is sort of pulling apart those pieces because they think that they're the abuser. I have a great podcast episode on mine call with uh, a woman named Rian Lockard called Am I the Abuser? And it's a one of my m- most downloaded episodes because it really helps women uh, like under pull apart those pieces. Uh-huh. In other words, am I inviting the abuse? Is that kind of the question? Or am I the abuser? Like oh. he's telling me that I'm the one who's doing the like while he's because well, that's part of the gaslighting, right? Yeah, part of the yeah. gaslighting is, well, I wouldn't have to if you didn't, and you are actually abusing me because you're not meeting my needs or whatever the narrative is, right? Yeah, yes, right. <laughs> and right. it really like it twists the brain in in such a profound way that it makes it really hard, right? So it's a system of like pulling apart the pieces and sorting through the boxes. Hmm. Right. So this is not just like, well, he's an abuser, so you need to leave. Like, yes, but why are you there? Why are you still questioning it? How did you get to this relationship? And, you know, all of this leads into the conversation about second and third marriages and the third marriages, which I'm sure you've talked about before. The divorce rate for first marriages hovers around 50%. They say it's dropping. I don't know. It, and then it spiked during the pandemic. So I don't know where it is right now. But the divorce rate for second marriages is around 68%. It's amazing, isn't it? It's People would choose better the second time. Well, right. And then for third marriages, it's around 74%. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're, we're not choosing better. But not only that, I think what we're, what we're doing is we're not doing the work on ourselves to figure out what went wrong the first time. We just keep, we were like, well, he was the problem. She was the problem. And then keep using the same picker <laughs> to pick. Uh-huh. And we have to, as part of the process of deciding, we've got to heal those parts of ourselves that made this choice to begin with so that we don't just make the same know. mistake over and over. Yeah. You work with people all the time who are going through this process. It's agonizing and the idea that you would go through this agonizing process only to do it again is like oh I mean it breaks my heart so it is it is inconceivable to think of someone doing this more than once divorcing more than once for sure yeah Yeah. it's so disruptive and so painful so expensive so hard right yeah yeah All right. So making the decision to um, divorce is obviously a very difficult one. Most It takes most people a long time to get to that point because they're weighing the pros and the cons and this and that, and things change from day to day and the kids and the money and how can I live and 
what it was like to feel like living alone again and what happened to all our friends and all of these considerations. But, I, you know, I love that expression, use the mirror and not a magnifying glass. And so it is important and it is important to eliminate the noise and just try to focus. But even so, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, it is. A thing to do. Well, it is. And that's, you know, that's why, I mean, I certainly recommend working with a coach or a therapist who specializes in this. And I think that's a really yeah. important distinction. A coach and a, a coach or a therapist who actually specializes in this process. Because you just go to a therapist who has sort of basic training and doesn't have advanced training in relationship systems and things like that, you're not really going to get very far. And if you just hire a life coach who's there to like help you, you know, live a more fulfilled life, that's also not going to get you anywhere, right? You yeah. really work with somebody who is deep in this process. And with all due respect, your divorce attorney is not that person. Right? Oh, for sure. No, <laughs> right? For sure. Right. How often does a client sort of come and unload all the emotional baggage on you and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, but you're not trained in, in, you know, psychology and all of that. I'm sure you have tons of experience in it, but divorce attorneys are by the hour, the most expensive therapist or coach you can hire. Oh, for sure. In fact, I say that to clients when they first come in for their first consultation. I give a half an hour consultation at no charge just to get to know them. And a lot of them just, you know, want to be heard for a while. And I, I say, well, you know, I am not here to help you make the decision about whether to get a divorce or not. I can, in fact, I would discourage you from doing that if there are any other options, because you're walking into a long, dark, smelly tunnel if you get divorced. And you're in there for a while and it's really unpleasant. Now, that light at the end of the tunnel, that maybe that will feel good. Maybe your life will be better. I can't guarantee that. But think about this for a really long time. And maybe there's some alternatives. Like maybe you can go back to school or get a hobby or change jobs or do something that's materially different in your life and not necessarily choose divorce as one of them. Yeah. Or or do my program. <laughs> Or do your program. Yeah. Right. Because there's an actual process to the decision making that I think, yeah. you know, that's yeah. been to thousands of women. The, yeah. the idea of having a therapist is, of course, a wonderful one. And I encourage anyone thinking about or going through a divorce to have one on the side in addition to other support, supportive people and professionals. But I also wonder sometimes if they go to therapy, maybe, I don't think this is limited to marriage therapy, but. In marriage therapy, you know, one of the goals is for them to be honest with one another in the safe container of a therapy room. And sometimes they say things, they should say things that the other person hasn't heard before. And I wonder, you know, it takes a really skilled therapist to keep both people in the marriage after both say hurtful things to the other, hopefully in the nicest way possible, but not always, right? I mean, it's hard. I think that there are types of therapy that can be really helpful to that. Imago therapy is one that I really recommend because it has actually a very specific format of communication, which makes things easier to hear that might be difficult to hear. And if you have a really skilled Imago therapist that can control that dialogue, you're going to get further. What's Imago? I've never heard of that. It's created by Harville Hendricks. He wrote the book, Getting the Love You Want, A Guide for Couples. Um, he created Imago Therapy. And it's really a process of communication where you you say something, the person puts their hand up, 
and then they have to mirror it exactly. So they just simply repeat the words that you've said. And so it's, it's controlled. Only one person can be the one person's the sender, the other person's the receiver. So mm-hmm. if I'm sending a communication to you, I might say, I, I, f- I feel, and you have to keep it in eye language, right? So you right, can be, that's hard. Yeah. You, right. So it's super controlled. And it's like, I feel when you leave the toilet seat up, I feel uh-huh. disrespected. Right. And mm-hmm. then you would put your hand up and you would repeat when I leave the toilet seat up, I, you feel disrespected. And then I give you the next bit. And then I give you the next bit. And it's always connected back to childhood wounding, right? So it triggers my feelings. It triggers that experience I had when my mother, you know, abandoned me. And he puts his hand up. It triggers the experience you had when your mother abandoned you. And then it goes on like that. And then you have to summarize and you have to empathize. Like there's a, there's, it's very controlled. And it really opens up empathy and compassion mm-hmm. because you're connecting it. You're taking responsibility for it being your wound, right? The idea is I have a wound, a gaping wound on my shoulder and you rubbed up against it. Mm-hmm. Y- you did the rubbing, but if I didn't have a wound here, it wouldn't hurt so much. So we focus mm-hmm. more on the wound than we do on the fact that you rubbed me. The, it, potentially inadvertently rubbed you, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's maybe not great for abuse for, you know, situations of abuse, but if you're really just trying to rebuild communication, it's brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So you want to, to your point, you want to find a therapist who is, you know, at this point, there are so, so many people who are graduating every day from therapy programs and people are just like, Oh, they're a therapist. Oh, they're an LMFT. Oh, they're an LCSW. They know what they're doing. And that's not necessary. They're not all therapists are created equal. Not all coaches are created equal. You want someone with advanced training in the thing that you're yeah. going to before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, a good, that's good advice. Really good advice. All right. So making the decision is hard, but with your podcast and your training and maybe this particular kind of therapy or like therapy, a person could get through the process of making a decision or to divorce, that is, or not to, or maybe maybe to repair the marriage. Yeah. So then, okay, so let's say, for example, someone's made the decision to, to get divorced. The next step, one of the next many steps is to tell the spouse, yes. tell your spouse, right? Yes. How do you suggest that happen? I have a very strict sort of communication template for this because the two most recent blog posts on my website right now, which is katieanthony.com slash blog, go into this in detail. Well, the second to lot, anyway, it doesn't matter. They're on there. The first thing to know, especially if you are in an any sort of heated, like if it's not just like you look, we're resigned and we are in agreement. This is, that's a whole other conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. Most of the time, this is one spouse is like, I'm done. And the other one is like, no, <laughs> you're not allowed to be done. Yeah. Give me a chance. I understand it now. I see what I did now. Let me change. Right. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, 69% of divorces are initiated by women and there are a number of reasons for that. Number one, we usually do more of the paperwork. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 the forms. Yeah. You know, the other reason for that is that when women are done, we're done. Mm-hmm. We're done. So when you when you're like, oh wait, no, now I'll go to therapy. If you're if you're a man and your wife has been asking you 
if your wife has been asking you for any length of time to go to therapy, go now, go right this minute, pick up the phone, make the appointment. Because when she says she's done and you say, wait, 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 now I'll go to therapy. It's too late. Mm -hmm. So you're essentially giving, having this conversation with someone who doesn't want this to happen. Right. And so what it's, what the most important thing is to remember that this is not, this is actually not a conversation. This declaration Uh and the mindset shift of that can be quite profound and very difficult, especially for women. Women spent, we spend all of our lives. We're waiting for, for boys to ask us to dance. We're waiting for boys to, you know, a man to ask us on a date. We're waiting for a man to ask us to marry him. Right. We are constantly waiting for men to make a choice to choose us. Uh And the idea that we could make a choice like this, on our own can be really feel really radical. And the fact of the matter is you can make this choice on your own. If someone says to you, you can't make this choice. This is, you can't make a unilateral decision about our marriage. Yes, you can. (laughs) That's what divorce is. So the first thing is this mindset shift that this is not a conversation. You're not asking for permission and you're not asking for, nor will you get agreement. And you may not get understanding, right? Mm Because they'll be like, why? But why? Yeah. They know why. They do. <laughs> they know exactly why. Mm-hmm. They're not asking why. They're trying to keep you engaged in the conversation. Okay. They keep mm-hmm. arguing you out of the out of the decision. Right. The most important thing is like this is a converse this is not a conversation. It is a declaration. You're not asking for permission, agreement or understanding. You are conveying information. The other thing to know is that this is not the conversation to make any decisions. Zero mm-hmm. decisions. Yes. So what will happen is the person will be in shock and they will say, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Why? And you'll say, you know why we've been in therapy over this for years or like I've been asking you to go. So like, I don't, we, this is not the time to rehash why. And then they'll might say something like, you know, you're not allowed to do this. And it's like, well, yes, I am. <laughs> right. The bottom line is everything that they, you know, and then they'll say, but what about the kids? What are we gonna do about the kids? What are we gonna do about the house? What are we gonna do? Right. And they're going to start getting flooded. What's happening to them is that they're panicking and they're being flooded with emotions. Yeah. And now is not the time to make any decisions. Yep. Now is the time to just get the emotions, get the information conveyed and the emotions under control. So they may say, well, what about the kids? We'll say, we have a lot of big decisions that we have to make in the next six months to a year. And now is not the time to make them. We're making the biggest legal and financial decisions of our entire lives in the middle of the biggest emotional upheaval of our entire lives. Let's get through the emotional part and then we can start making decisions. I'm sure that we're both committed to making the making the best choices we possibly can for our kids. And I hope that we can put them at the center of every decision that we make and never put them in the middle. But we're not we're not there yet. So let's just get back to I just want to make sure you understand that this is my final decision. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're constantly coming back to the baseline of giving the information. Yeah. Okay. Constantly coming back to you know, you're not answering the questions and going into like, I don't know, maybe we should talk to my mom. I'm not sure. Like that is not the time. This is not the time. It's, I understand you have this, this really big concern and it's a concern of mine too, and we'll get to it. But for now, I just need you to know that 
I will be filing for divorce. Yeah. All right. Brilliant. Really. It'll go on like, you know, and then, and then what the other thing that I say at the, and then after that, right. That's when you get educated. Now you get educated. You also might get educated before you have the conversation, but now you get educated. Now you have a consult with a divorce attorney so that you know the laws of your state and what you're entitled to. And if you want to be able to mediate, you still need to know what you're mediating towards, right? Yeah. You want to get your financials in order. You want to do all of those things so that you actually can continue to educate yourself. But none of that happens like let the dust settle. And sometimes for the person who has initiated the divorce, they'll be like, all right, good. Got the conversation out. Let's go. Let's do this because there's months ahead of the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so the next thing I always say is like, give the other person time, Mm -hmm. give them time. Rushing them through the next stage steps is not going to be helpful to your process. Right. You're going to get an angry, bitter person who has not processed any of their emotions involved in a, in a legal proceeding, legal and financial decisions that they're not emotionally prepared to make cleanly right now. So let that settle, give them, give them time, give them space. And then when they're, you know, then you can start to move it along, but like, give them some, give them a minute. I'm going to disagree with you on one point. I think what you said was brilliant. And I think breaking it down that way makes perfect sense. And making a declaration instead of a conversation is absolutely what should be done. It's very empowering to the person who wants to you know, get out of the marriage. Mm-hmm. I do think that the person who's thinking about a divorce should go to a divorce attorney before making the decision, not sure. necessarily to retain them, but at least to find out what what to expect, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I said, like either before or after it's, it's fine. But I think in many cases before is prudent because you might get there and be like, Oh, actually, I didn't know that. Yeah. like, Oh, I didn't know that. Maybe I'm going to rethink this. I, I, I totally, I agree with that actually. Yeah. I mean, you know, just an, an hour conversation with the attorney just to get the lay, the lay of the land about what a divorce will look like. I think that's an important conversation to have to factor in Absolutely. What what the future would look like through the proceeding. Yes, absolutely. And there was, oh, there was something I was going to say about that, that, you know, it may change your decision. Yeah, it might. And you don't have to, and I think this is a mistake so many people make, you don't have to put down a $10,000 retainer. You don't have to hire an attorney right away. Right. Just have a consult. Yeah. That's it. Right? Exactly. I think things should be done. In ba- I call. I tell everyone in baby steps. Don't make all of the decisions all right away. You know, because you're going to be pushed this direction and that direction. Your emotions are going to be all over the place. Make decisions with the information that you have at that time. Exactly. Including exactly. when to file the divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Totally agreed. Agreed. <laughs> baby steps. Yeah. All right. So now we've talked about telling your spouse that you want a divorce. How about telling children? Mm. So it's really important that if at all possible, number one, this conversation happens together, that both yeah. participate in the conversation. Yeah, It's really important that you make almost all, depending on the age of the children. So if they're young, you want to make as many decisions as possible before telling them because they don't understand the concept of big things that are happening in two weeks and two months. Right. So you, you're going to tell them within like a two week time period of when, when stuff is going to happen, when big changes are going to happen, like we're going to be moving to a new house. 
And, you know, if they're older, you might be able to give them more lead time. But again, you just don't want to leave because everything is now suddenly unknown. You want to be able to answer as many questions as possible. And if you say, well, I'm not sure, we don't really know yet, that gives them more anxiety and more fear. And you don't want to be able to do that. You don't want to do that. You want to come up with a narrative together that makes sense to both of you that will make sense to your children and that doesn't put the blame on either parent. And this is the thing that I run into. Good luck. <laughs> exactly. Well, and this yeah. is, this goes to don't, ba- this goes to back to baby steps, right? If you take it in baby steps and if you process the emotions and allow both people to process the emotions before making any major decisions, it'll be, you'll, you may be able to come to that point, right? But it is not appropriate for children of any age to know that, you know, so-and-so cheated on the other one. I hear all the time being like, well, the children should know the truth. No, they shouldn't. Uh-huh. <laughs> they literally absolutely shouldn't. This is why we, you know, we don't tell them about Santa Claus for God's sake, mm-hmm. right? They don't need to know the truth. They need to be protected. Well, they don't, I, they need to know the truth, but not that piece of information necessarily. Right? They, don't, they, need, they don't need to know the whole truth. Right. Except they need to know that it's happening. And what they need to know is that, you know, there's grown up stuff that happens in, in adult relationships. They need to know that both parents still love them. Mm-hmm. You don't ever want to tell a child, mommy or daddy doesn't love daddy or mommy anymore, or daddy and daddy and mommy, mommy, does whatever the configuration right. is. You don't ever want a, to tell a, a child that one parent doesn't love the other parent anymore, because then the child thinks that since they're half of that other parent, that then, or even if, they, even if they're not, that love is something that can just stop. Like yeah. if love between parents can stop, love from a parent to a child can stop. And that's terrifying for them. So you don't ever want to say that. You just want to say, you know, mommy and daddy have a, have a hard time getting along. We're having a lot of arguments and we think that we would be better. It would be better for our family for us to live in separate houses and to, to you know, but we still love you. Both of us still love you more than anything. You know, you're never going to lose us. We're still going to be a family. And if, if you tell a child that you're still going to be a family, please still be a family. Mm-hmm. Don't holding a child and say, we're still going to be a family and then be violent and throwing things and screaming at your former spouse, because that's like, that may have been the family you grew up in, but that's not, (laughs) that's not what, that's not what we want here. And, you know, the other thing that I recommend is to tell, especially young kids, don't tell them before a big transition. Don't tell them like in the morning before they go to school or at night before they go to bed, maybe tell them on a Saturday morning and then spend the day together as a family so that they, they're kind of, they have time to ask questions as things come up throughout the day. But if they continue to ask questions like why, why, why continue with your narrative, you know, you don't need to answer more questions. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's the that's yeah, it's so hard on children. And it's, you know, it is hard to get both parents on the same page. I think the initial story probably isn't that hard to get them on the same page. But over time, as things come up during the course of the divorce, when one parent wants one spouse wants to be mean to the other, uh, using saying things to the kids is one way of doing that. It's an awful thing to do. 
It is. It, and it, and I will, I will say it's hard. I mean, even in my own situation, my own divorce, it's hard because my son is 15 and he starts to see things about his dad and he starts asking questions about like, well, hold on a minute. Is that what happened in your marriage? And is that why you guys got divorced? And I have to kind of like, you know, and I'm more honest with him now that he's 15 and he's actually experiencing some of the similar things, you know, cause I'm not going to, you know, I have to validate what's happening for him. But it's a tough one because I also don't want to yeah. destroy his relationship with his father or, you know, his model of manhood, really, right? Like, I mean, all mm -hmm. of it. It's yeah. very complex. It's very, it's very, it's very difficult for parents to know how to handle those things with their children without maligning the other spouse. Yeah. And, and being on and being real and honest about what's happening. Right. Because you, and to a degree, you really have to be because they're seeing stuff and they're experiencing stuff. My son is experiencing with his father, the reason I divorced him. Mm -hmm. And I, if I were to say like, no, 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 it's totally fine. Then I'm basically gaslighting my kid. Mm -hmm. I'm right. not going to do that. No. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no. So and ultimately yeah. we're leaving it up to the kids who have to navigate between two different parents, value system, style, attitude toward the world, sense of, their own humanity. But that, that's the reality in even in an intact marriage, I guess. Just that you would think in an intact marriage, the parents were closer to being on the same page. Right. Often that's not the case. That's right. No, Assuming true. all intact marriages are healthy and happy. Yeah. Can't, can't make that assumption. <laughs> right, exactly. Not at all. No, not no. at all. Uh, well, these, these topics are just um, so full of nuance. It's hard to give global advice, but you're doing a good job of giving global advice that I think is really meaningful to a lot of people Thanks. and hopefully the listeners. Yeah. yeah. So um, the second and third marriage thing is horrifying. So we have to look at ourselves, I suppose, before making second choices with second and third marriages and that they're not reactionary of getting equality in the second person that you didn't have in the first, but you overlook other bad qualities. Yeah. As I, as I always say, you don't know someone until you know them for a, for a long time, right? So you live with them for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that I think that if I'm actually interested in doing a study somehow, a research study, because I want to know of marriages that, that do end, how quickly they got engaged, not just married, but engaged. Because it's like, once the engagement happens, there's so many people I know that were like, I didn't, I didn't want to follow through, but I had to, right? <laughs> like, you know, right. we're paid. Um, I thought it would get better, but I see so many, you know, I don't think you know someone fully until you've known them for at least a year. For sure. Uh, two is better. So, mm -hmm. but a lot of my clients are like, we got engaged three months. Holy mm -hmm. no. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other statistic I think would be interesting is how many people feel compelled to get married once they live together. Mm -hmm. It's harder to extract your lives from each other after that. You know, you have joint friends, you have made joint furniture, maybe joint real estate, joint bank accounts. You're even that much more connected yep. and extracting yourself at that point is hard too. And that, you know, for me as a, as a woman, I was like, I was 32 when I got married. Mm -hmm. We'd been together for five years. I was, I guess I was, yeah. And I, I was like, wait, I'm not resetting the clock. Mm -hmm. I gotta have babies now. So yes. if I up with you, I have to start all over again and put in another four years and then it's going to be too late. Like, I mean, this was my insane thinking. 
But well, it's, it's not uncommon thinking though at all. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Women in their early thirties are like, well, got to do it now. Yeah. Well, also you wonder if there's perfection out there. I mean, what you have may be imperfect, but are you going to be able to find perfection in another relationship? There's no, it's completely uncertain. Exactly. And everyone says like, well, not every relationship's perfect. So yeah. I guess, I guess I'll settle for, you know, for this. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it comes down to values, really. I mean, fi finances are important too, no doubt. I can't, you know, wish I could say that they weren't important, but they are. I um, mean, you know, if someone's in debt or someone, uh, you know, has bad spending habits, those are important things to consider. But choosing a partner who has good values or values similar to yours is probably the, the biggest test, the best test. In the first part of my program, the internal work, values is a huge piece of that because so many people uncover the fact that like, oh my God, we don't align at all on our values. <laughs> like this is not, I mean, you can look at it objectively and be like, these two people don't belong together, right? Uh -huh. No wrong here. These two people do not align. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It makes it, it's a very clarifying moment for people to go when they go through that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is hard. It's hard to tell people that they're not meant for each other, even once, even if you were brave enough to say that to a couple. Yeah. Uh, that we're about to get married or at least living together. Right. Sure. Who's going to be, who's going to be brave enough to say that? Right. I mean, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's true. I think of, uh, I think of my, I, my daughter had some friends in probably middle school, maybe even early high school, that I wasn't the fond of them. There's nothing really wrong with them. I just found that they weren't great influence and they didn't really add much to the, her life. And I told, I remember thinking, should I tell her? Should I let her figure it out? She's so young. You know, it'll sort itself out. But one day I said, you know, you have these, whatever, 10 friends. I like this, this, this friend. And I'm not so keen on this, this, and this friend. And I thought, I didn't just say I didn't like them, but I put them in perspective. And of course, when you're choosing a spouse, you don't have all of those choices. You know, it's either yes or no to the one person. But I do think people should speak up a little bit more <laughs> at the risk, right? At the risk of damaging your friendship or a relationship. Yeah. I mean, I will tell you that my best friend did. Uh -huh. said, please don't marry him. Oh, and you're still speaking to her? No, um, but that's <laughs> for different reasons. <laughs> but what? But that's for different reasons. Oh, okay. <laughs> she was right. She was actually right. She was the only one. And she sat me down and she's like, this is, this is toxic. He's abusing you. This is not okay. And I couldn't hear it. Yeah. Could not penetrate at the time. And, you know, I needed, I needed to go through it. Sure. We need to learn our own lessons. Yep. Right. Yep. Well, Kate, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. I think we have a lot of common ground here. We do. It was really nice. Thank you. Yeah. And you really brought a, very, a lot of valuable information to this podcast. So thank you. So how could people listen to your podcast or read your blog? Everything is on my website, kateanthony.com. Okay. My podcast is called the Divorce Survival Guide Podcast, and it's mm -hmm. on all the platforms. So wherever you listen, I have a amazing Facebook group called Should I Stay or Should I Go? And it is, again, on my website. You can access it from my website. So everything is there on the homepage. But there's over 4,000 women, almost 5,000 women at this point who are all going through the same thing. I moderate it like crazy. So it's not like every other divorce group where people are just bashing men and being 
nasty to each other. It is support, support, support. And it's really ma- a magical place. So I highly recommend that. And, you know, and yeah, every, again, everything's on my website, kateanthony.com. Wow, wonderful. All right, thanks. Sassoon Simrod has attorneys who meet your dynamic needs, handling legal matters, including tax issues, real estate transactions, business law, and of course, divorce and post-divorce matters. I can be reached at the same number, 617-969-0069, but my email address has changed. It's now hgrossman at sassoonsimrod.com. Sassoon Simrod is spelled S-A-S-S-O-O-N-C-Y-M-R-O-T. Thanks for listening.